You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to episode 48 of the God Center Mom podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Jenny Lee Sulpizio. She taught me how to say it, Sulpizio. Jenny has just written a great new book called For the Love of God. And really, this is different from your other Christian books in that it's, it's really a movement. It's a movement of believers to get them to reach out to those, uh, especially women, to reach out to those women who are on the verge, who have dabbled in faith, who who know their need for God but don't know what to do next. And so she is um, has written this resource for us, a way to engage those women in conversations of faith and to guide them, to disciple them into a way to develop their walk with God. And um, it is really, really great. It's a great place to start. And I can't wait for you to hear Jenny's heart on the matter. So here we go. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey there. So excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you and have you chat about your new book, For the Love of God, which is such a funny and yet good title. It like catches you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was the point. I really wanted to have a um, title that grabs people right from the beginning. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, so before we get into that book, let's have you introduce your family to everyone okay. listening. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm a mom of three kiddos. I have one daughter and two boys, and their ages are 11, 9, and 5. And so I'm right in the middle of that mayhem, if you will. So, yeah. Um, I've been married to my husband for almost 14 years, and we live in this super uber warm state of Arizona. Yeah, that's a little warm, I'd say. It's very warm. It's super hot. So, (laughs) yes. Wow, awesome. Okay, so 11. So you're just about to hit the pre-teen stuff. you know what? I think I, she's been a teenager since she was four. I'm okay. not even kidding. Okay. So, so you know what? We're just gonna we're we're just consistent each year with the. Now we're adding some hormones to it, but it's been pretty consistent. Love awesome. my daughter to death, but she, she's yeah. And being <laughs> the the one girl, so she can get she can get all the drama herself. That's good. That's right. Okay, so Jenny and I both write for the Mob Society, so we also get. I have a nine-year-old boy and a five-year-old boy, so I stuck a couple more in there too. But I can relate to that. That's um, that's a lot of fun, right there. (laughs) Do which do you have the like really quiet kind of boys, or do you have the more um, like energetic kind of boy? 
Which kind of boy did you get? Well, I would like to meet the people who have the quiet boys because I do not have those. I have challenging boys. And with the nine and five-year-olds, they are always fighting, especially lately. And I just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot. It's a lot with the fighting. Yeah. It makes me decline sometimes. You, know, just, you kind of almost have to mentally check out at times because it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. Do they fight and then like quickly make up or is it like a, just an ongoing battle? It, it kind of seems like it's ongoing. They yeah. like to pick at each other. Mm. And I try to help my older one understand that basically his younger brother looks up to him and that he's got this really awesome role right now in in our family of, you know, actually helping us, you know, guide our younger one. And he just uses it. He's a middle child as well. So I think that presents other issues at times as far as him trying to find his own niche and his own space. And um, so it's a struggle. And and we have the baby and he, you know, he's he's definitely the baby of the the family. So it's a struggle. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's smart, though, to give him that job that, like, I mean, the fact that you switch gender for the middle child, that helps probably to give him a little identity, oldest son kind of. So that is helpful because we have, you know, we had the middle thing going when we had three and then when we added four, then you get two middles. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it it didn't get better. There's just two middle kids now. So, yeah, finding the time and space to give them the attention they need to reduce behavior problems. Because they'll do negative yeah. stuff just to get attention, which yes. is fun. Yeah. That's good times. And even like, that is a good time. Yeah. I was telling Jenny I was a little late to get on this call because we got the cast off of my five-year-old. And I think the breaking the arm thing really helped his behavior because he was getting all this attention. <laughs> he was like the star of the show in our family. And so it was like actually a good oh. thing. So I'm going to suggest all middle children breaking their arm so you get – Attention from your parents. That's what you should do. Children listening. You know what? Go ahead and blog on that next. That's your next blog post. That yes. would be awesome. Why all little children should break their arms. <laughs> Here are five ways to get attention. So, yeah, I think I get that. Uh, that makes sense. Okay, so. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in your new book, which I am holding in my hands right now. Um, Okay, so this book, you and I were talking earlier, This the audience for this book is going to be a slightly different from maybe uh, other Christian resources that have been put out lately because mm-hmm. we're, hitting, we're hitting gals who are maybe on the borderline of really putting faith into action, like really right. making this their, their thing. So when you set out with this book idea, what was your purpose? Well, the purpose was, um, you know, I've lived a life without faith, without God, without Jesus in it. I've, I've lived that life and I've also now lived one with. Mm -hmm. And so when I first came to Christianity and I first walked through the church doors and made the decision, I was pretty broken. I was in a space that was just not good. And let's just say that God had made God my last ditch effort. Mm. And that sounds bad, but I was just, I was at my rock bottom. And so it was at that point that I finally decided to reach up. And once I did that, I didn't know what steps to take first. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do once I, like like I said, once I walked through those church doors, I didn't know what to do first. Yeah. Um, 
the only experiences that I had had in church, I mean, they were very minimal as a child. And so here I was as an adult, nervous, wanting to make, you know, a mad rush back to my car because I was so fearful of what, what I was supposed to do and what I, I just didn't know. I was so unsure. So how old were you? How old were you when you, I mean, you said you went to church a little as a child, Uh but how old were you when you reached up? Like when you decided, okay, enough of doing this on my own. I'm going to try the God route. I was 30. Okay. I was 30. So I, I came at this later in life and, um, and you'd been married. You'd been married for how long have you been married? We've been married seven years. Okay, so who and what was the impetus to even get you to that place? Well, I had made some really horrible decisions um, in my marriage. And it was at that point um, that once I realized my mistakes and realized just my transgressions and the significance of them, that I said, um, and my husband and I had been in counseling, that uh, it was our counselor who said, you guys need to get to church because what you've been doing hasn't been working. Mm. And this is, you know, your foundation. I, I was placing my husband as my foundation. And mm. unfortunately, that's just not what I, I mean, looking back, you know, hindsight 2020. Right. But, um, you know, at that time, I didn't even know that way. that's what I was doing. I was making everything in this world more important. And um, I just didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know I, didn't know I was supposed to. Mm. And that's part of the reason why I struggled so much. I just thought I placed God in a box. And, you know, I was here, he was there, and that was about it. So that's where I really struggled and where I really, um, that's the place that I was coming from, which is why I wanted to write this book, so that others who are struggling with those with those issues and don't know that they need a relationship or don't, you know, haven't explored that yet, yeah. can come to this, can read this book and actually just feel secure in this relationship they're about to pursue and understand it a bit better. That's really interesting. Okay, so when I want to go back because I'm really curious about okay. this, your own story of, you know, yeah. my, my very last podcast I released is on marriage and um, she's talking about this negative cycle we can get into and how those sometimes through those disappointments, they can launch us to better places. And that is true mm-hmm. in your situation. Yeah. And did it help launch your husband as well? I mean, were you guys simultaneously pursuing this faith or did yes. you? Okay. Yeah. So, um, it, it was, it was the goal to get our marriage back on track. And through that is when we really came to know Christ because he had this relation, he had the same upbringing that I did in mm-hmm. which it was, you know, you kind of dabbled in church every now and then, but like I said, there was no relationship. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. so it was so important. It's such a game changer once we, uh, went through that together. Wow. And so you're there, you've chosen it. You're like, okay, here we are. And like, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, the old school evangelical, okay, get them saved. And then it's yeah. like the whole discipleship process has been lost. And right. and so um, it seems like this is a great uh, non-threatening way to, to disciple. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're basically, right. it's a discipleship tool that um you could maybe read it with a friend right 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 absolutely yeah and i think and heather and i talked a little bit earlier too about the fact that sometimes it's really hard to minister to our friends 
Yeah. People that we know, people in our inner circles, whether it's a, a hairdresser or, you know, even our garbage, our garbage truck, you know, people or mailmen, it's so hard. Even though you know people need to hear this message, at times it can be so difficult to minister to them for whatever reason. Like, you don't know how to approach it. You don't know where to start. You're waiting for that, you know, the right time to bring it up. And sometimes that's just hard. Yeah. So really, I wanted. That's why I constructed this book as well, so that it can be a tool to reach out when you don't have the words to really. You don't have the words; they don't hit you at the right time, or you know you're struggling for that that opportunity to reach them. Yeah, it's almost like we can allow Ginny's words in the book to be the buffer. Like right. it's almost like. It's not like Heather's saying them. Oh, look what Jenny said, you know, like, <laughs> like deflected onto you, you know, owner, you know, and right. to have that conversation through this third right. source. So, yeah, that's really great. And so, okay, so for you, mm-hmm. you get this faith, and what did you end up doing since your book hadn't been written yet? How well, did how um, did you find faith and get grace on your own? Well, what we did is we started uh, we started some small groups. We started by um, investing our time in small groups and meeting people that way. And that was the, really the first opportunity because we were taking uh, marriage classes at church. And that really allowed us to form relationships with others within the church, yeah. um, which is really so important and really hard to do if you don't, well... It seems hard at first when you walk through those church doors, like I said. Yeah. The first time I walked through, I was like, I, all I saw were, you know, these swarms of people, and I almost didn't want to make eye contact with any of them because I didn't know them. Yeah. And it seemed like they all had their, you know, their established groups or whatever, and here I was, this newbie walking in, and I just didn't know how to go about it. Yeah. But um, the first thing was, was getting into a small group and really being able to talk to other people and know that I wasn't alone in that situation and that other people were struggling with the same issues, the same histories, and that it wasn't, you know, the the church, I believe the church to be made up of these perfect people and who was I to walk in as a huge sinner Mm. and be like, okay, well, I want to learn the same stuff too. But by going into, by going into that church and going into small group, I was able to see that I was so not alone. And that was the first step as far as, um, really diving into my faith was realizing that I wasn't alone. Mm. And that's what your book does too, right? Is, is you being vulnerable and saying, you know, I've had my doubts. I've, I've tried to do this on my own. I've, you know, made these mistakes. And so that person can kind of breathe out and be like, Oh, okay. It's not like the perfect person writing the Bible study. And then you're like never measuring up. Yeah, that's good. That's really yeah. good. I think that's a really a great promo for small groups too because I've seen it in couples who may have gone to church their entire lives mm-hmm. and then and, and they may be pursuing God that whole time and then they have new babies and time demands cut in and they stop doing small groups or they stop meeting together with people outside of church even if it's not an official small group. And so mm-hmm. then the marriage pressures of the new baby kick in, and then they think, well, it's just us. All those right. other people have it figured out. And so the divorce comes because they've secluded themselves from other couples um, in the church, right. you know, because, oh, we can't, we only have enough time. Baby needs a nap. We only have enough time to go to church one hour. So we're going to stop going to 
whether it's Sunday school, whether it's Bible study, whether it's small group, we're going to stop that because our baby needs a nap. Mm -hmm. And I get babies need naps because I've had a lot of babies, but (laughs) I think that we don't, we don't realize in that moment how we're secluding ourselves from the Mm -hmm. vulnerable times where, where couples say, yeah, man, our marriage really was impacted when that new baby came. Oh, you too? Right. Oh, okay. So it's not just our marriage. Oh, it's not that we need to get divorced. It's because, it's because this just happens. And so I think Mm -hmm. that message of finding that smaller group of believers who are being real is a really good message no matter where you are on your faith journey, you know, whether this is new to you or whether you've been in the church forever, um, somehow Mm -hmm. staying connected, you know, right now my husband and I are not in a small group, but we're in our own small groups of people sharing life together. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that is a good word. Okay. So walk us through the book. What did you choose to put in there? And, and why? What would someone who read it, what would they get out of it? Well, I wanted to include basically an overview of the nuts and bolts of faith, you know, the main elements, faith, grace, forgiveness, um, what prayer life is about and, and looks like. Uh, I wanted to dispel a number of the, just the ideas that people um, think about when it comes to like, for instance, with a, my prayer life. You know, before I before I went to church, I thought of prayer as something that um, I as a, like a ritualistic effort, as opposed to um, what it really is, which is a conversation with God. Yeah. So, uh, and just an opportunity to come before Him and praise and do all of that. So, just that, so that people who maybe aren't even praying because they think it has to be some memorized thing, or they hear people pray and public and they are like, I don't even know what words to say. So they just don't pray at all for you to kind right. of dispel those myths and just speak yes. truth. And just, yeah. Right. And just help them to understand what, it, what it, it should look like and what it needs to be like and how it can be as opposed to, you know, what people kind of think outside the church. And so, um, and then the other part of that was the second part of the book is basically discussing discussing this walk that we go on, um, this Christian walk. Once you choose to make that decision, what it looks like, uh, some of the things that you're going to encounter as a girl um, who who loves God, things you know in this world, and as well as just some of the um, maybe of your own personal struggles that you might deal with as you, as you continue this walk, and why it's so important, and what uh, what that should kind of look like as well. I mean, there's no perfect the perfect walk and everyone's in a different space in their walk, but it's, um, it just gives people some insight as to what that might look like. And I like that you even, you know, in the end, you talk through like why the Bible is true. You know, you kind of give the whole manuscript evidence and archeological discoveries and things for anyone who's like, is the Bible even real? Because if they don't believe in the Bible, then it's really hard for someone to, grow in mm-hmm. faith if they aren't even believing God's words to be true. So I think that you did a good job kind of working through those doubts and giving them um, scripture to pray through and then uh, places to serve. And then I really love, because I've always wanted to do like a blog series on this. So I'm thankful you did this like Christiane, Christianese decoded, you know, like what people uh-huh. say in the church and like, what does that mean? What, 
what is the bride of Christ? What is justification? Right. What what is what does it mean to repent? What's purity? What does Sabbath actually mean? What's sanctified? I mean, because those words can be so intimidating when you're first at the church. I feel like, you know, people have been there be there their whole lives and not know righteousness. What is righteousness? So, um, right. I think I think that was a really wise thing to do and put in there and even if, you know, someone leading someone may be like intimidated to take that step because they don't know what all the terms mean. How can right. I disciple someone? I don't know what all the Christian words mean. I mean, even they can right. use it as a resource. So but that was really right. smart. Very smart. So what, what, you're welcome. What tips could you <laughs> give someone? You know, we talked about, okay, you've got the hairdresser. You've got the, the gal mm-hmm. you just met at the park. You know, what tips would you give them for moving forward in that relationship? You know, I can only think back to my own walk, and that is um, honestly just to immerse yourself in the Word because I think it's so easy to be like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go attend church, and if it doesn't work for me, then I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to leave that and forget that I tried it. But if you're really, if you really take just make this vow to yourself to immerse yourself, not only in the Word, but attend church like there's no out. There's no way out, and that you're going to attend church, and you're going to do this, and you're going to make this commitment to God and to yourself. And I think if you do that, I think if you, you think along those lines, it truly makes all the difference. Because so many times, I mean, that's just how we are as a society. If it doesn't work for me, I'm just going to, you know, get rid of it and move on to something else. Yeah. And that's not how it is with faith. I mean, once you have it, once you possess it, once you've been given this gift, it's something that you just have to continually pursue and work through. Because we're going to struggle in it. There's times that are going to be harder than others. There's going to be plenty of trials. Yeah. And it's just something that you've got to pursue continually. You've got to pursue God over and over and over again on a daily basis. Yeah. And so there is no out. This is it. This is what you need to focus on. So I think that mentality, and that might sound harsh to some people, but that mentality is what you need to have. Yeah. And so then when you have that mentality and you meet the hairdresser and the person who who hasn't quite made the leap of faith they can see it yeah. in you and it's yes it it, sh- it shows as you're that you're different that you stand out right yeah. so we want we want others to see us and be like what what's different about her or what is it that she has because i want that yeah i really really want that so um i mean i hope i do that to others I hope I do, (laughs) but, um, but I even had recently, I had an encounter where I was at Sam's club and I was, um, I was checking my stuff out or whatever. And God's voice just came through loud and clear. Tell that guy that you're praying for him. And I'm like, Mm. what? Mm. I'm like, come on, God, you know, I just want to get my groceries. My kids are yelling. (laughs) You know what I mean? My kids are driving me nuts. And then, and then, and then that whole thing kicks in of the fear kicks in of, he's totally going to reject me if I tell him what you want me to tell him right now. Yeah. And so I looked at him and I said, for whatever reason, God's telling me that I need to pray for you. And uh-huh. he's like, okay. But you know what? Once I did that, once I just let that go, I mean, I felt amazing. Whether he, whether he even internalized that or whatever he thought about that, I still felt amazing in that I was obedient. Yeah. And that maybe that's what he needed to hear right at that moment. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, but it, it can be... 
Go ahead. No, I'm just because I like to interrupt. I told you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I've heard there's a guy my husband would go to like lunch with, or um, he's a businessman, and right before every time they would, you know, when the food would come. And the waiter would deliver the food. He'd say, hey, we're about to say a prayer before we eat. Is there anything we can pray for you? And I'm like, whatever. I love it. And the number of times that that waiter has either started crying or sat down with them and prayed with them is like unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's amazing. I love that. Because – Okay, what God's put on my heart, and I don't, I don't know where a place for it, and I've been trying to seek out what to do with it, because I'm living such a Christian bubble here in Dallas, is that yeah. there's this just giant space between us as the church and the broken world, and yep. people just trying to figure it out on their own, and just almost I see them just like walking in circles, basically, and it's like no one's mm-hmm. leading them to the path of life, like they're just all like crashing into each other and burning and not like just like it's not working out. Like they're just lives keep getting Mm -hmm. harder and harder. And even the really super wealthy people, their lives are getting harder and not less fulfilled, even though they have the giant house. And, um, and I'm like, how are we reaching over and being like this way guys, like Mm -hmm. life over here, less work, less effort, like more joy, more grace. And how are we even demonstrating that we have that? Like, how am I acting less grumbly and less complaining and inviting people into that dependence that's so great. And, and so that's why I really love your book that it can be that source for those of us who are like, how do I bridge this gap? How do I invite people in? How do I ask people to do this, you know, this faith Mm -hmm. thing with me without seeming silly, you know? Right. You know, I struggled a lot in that, especially with, um, you know, ministering to others and whatnot. I really struggled with it because I know what God wants me to do, and I know that I should never be ashamed of Him. And I totally get that. Where I struggle is finding the words to tell people about God, Mm. because there's so many, and and about Jesus, without coming across so cliche in my words, because everyone's heard it before. Everyone's heard it. Not, there's not there's not a person on earth I believe that hasn't heard the message of God, especially in our culture. Yeah. Our culture knows, yeah. and yet there's so many stigmas and so many different things attached to it. Uh, so many things people they've seen that don't that are in the church that don't necessarily represent have a good representation of the church, and it's so hard to try and reach out to them at times because they already have formed their opinions. Yeah. So yeah. I find that that's a struggle, and that's why with this book. I really just wanted to, I write in a conversational tone because I want others just to understand this isn't a formal appeal or anything like that. This is what I have experienced, what I know, what so many others have experienced and know, and here it is for you. Just, you know, take, just take a chance on it. Yeah. So, yeah, but, um, but it's a struggle at times, especially in our society. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, I know, you know, Kristen Shell. Who used to write with us? Yes. Yeah. I interviewed yes. her about her new turquoise table and yes. even just having that out front and just I've had more conversations with neighbors lately and they're going deeper. But all of the guys, yeah. they're all guys that live around me, like older guys. Like, so it's not, I don't know if this one's going to work, but you know, it'll be help. <laughs> 
it'll be helpful to have the um words to say, you know, like even if I don't show them this book, I'm gonna have I'm, I'm gonna read it through. I'm gonna read it through. You are so funny. So I don't. Oh my God. I, I don't know if I can hand them a women's guide, but I think I can. I can translate it to that. So so I hear what you're you. saying. Yeah. 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 No, but having something like that, um, uh-huh. some something in your life that you're being willing at a, at a park, you know, I guess it's getting cold in some areas of the country, but you and I don't have that problem, but we go to the park now because it's Uh reasonably, it's reasonable outside. Um, and you, your, your kids are playing like, and there's a mom just sitting there and instead of going straight to your iPhone and flipping through Mm -hmm. Instagram, like maybe you talk to her. Right. Maybe, you know, I don't know. Right. Because I have I'm amazed how many times when I talk to moms at the park, one, you have so many connections already with the kid thing that you can relate mm-hmm. with each other. And it is amazing how moms in this season of of humbling, how they're more willing to talk about faith than I think yeah. other seasons. Right. Because they're they're like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, this has really stretched me to the end of myself. I don't know what is going on. And so, you know, it really helps when you write for a God-centered mom. You can always refer them there. So that helps for me. (laughs) That kind of lets them know where I stand. (laughs) It lets them know where I stand. You know, I I have that line. But, um, yeah, or even, like, our kids go to a Christian school. So if they ask me, oh, where Mm -hmm. do your kids go to school? Well, that's, like, an opener already that they know where I stand. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say? And, you know, I've even, I've had friends, (laughs) I've had friends that, um, one in particular who I've known her for years and there was just this defiance towards the Lord. And it was something that you just almost didn't want to bring up when, you know, you were in that circle or hanging out with or whatnot. And, um, it's amazing because on kind of on her own and through circumstances, she's come to know God. And this is a person that was completely defiant. I mean, mm. don't even talk to me about him. I don't want to hear anything about it. Mm. You know, so you kind of just stay back and let it, but it, I mean, she is deep in the Lord now and it's amazing to see. Um, but that can happen with everybody. And yeah. I think that's so important. Even the person that's the most, you know, against, so just against this relationship, it can happen with anybody because God's going to give that faith to, to people and he, he's going to do it. And it's just a matter of praying for, you know, certain situations to come up or praying for that person. Um, it's just a matter of, I think it's really just a matter of time before, before people come to him. And I think we can bridge that gap. This book is meant to do so. Um, but just there's a movement and, and part of this book is, is about creating a movement to, to really, um, reach out to people who may not, like I said, who have a defiance or something along those lines. And this book, this book can be dropped off on someone's doorstep. So if you know of a person, like I'm saying, like my friend was, who was just so not interested in hearing it. I mean, I I don't condone ding-dong ditching, but... (laughs) You should have some relationship with this person, yeah. You can drop that book off on their front door. Someone you may not even have, like, you know, may not know all that well. You can still drop that book off on the door on their doorstep and just see what happens. You know what I mean? There's things that you can do. There's a movement, whether you feel, whether you have fear or you're unable to step out of your comfort zone, this book was meant to, like I said, to bridge that gap and hopefully um, 
bring people to Christ. Well, I think I think you're right, and I and I well, I was gonna make a joke. I was like, you could just leave it in their bathroom because that's where all the reading happens. Like you're just over for <laughs> for a dinner or something, and you just leave it in their bathroom. But I think I think that <laughs> that's a good one. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I leave it in the bathroom. Um, the key yeah. is we don't save people, right? Right. And when we, we put the Absolutely pressure not. on ourselves that oh, I just can't, I can't save, you know, it's all me. No. The Holy Spirit saves people. Right. God saves people. You right. just have to be faithful in your own experience. You were put on this planet for this purpose. When everyone knows and has heard the gospel, Jesus gets to come back. So let's do that, right? Let's right. Let's get right. Jesus back because I'm kind of tired of suffering and pain and sadness. I'm kind of ready for the um, the joy part of this relationship. Right. With, I mean, there is joy, but like the eternal praising and worshiping. Like that sounds pretty awesome. Yes. So, so let's like, yeah, I hear you. let's pass out this good news and not be like, mm-hmm. you know, dreading, right. dreading his life. So thank you, Jenny, so much for being on the podcast today and for providing us a resource that we can help yeah. disciple others. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Well, and you enjoy your Veterans Day with your kiddos out of school. I will. You too. Ah, mine are in school. Ha <laughs> 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 oh, All right. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. the spouse and um, I feel like the complicating factor <laughs> of young children and and then they go, right? You're supposed to like cleave from your children. So, right. but you need to keep that zimzumming happening with your husband because that's going to outlast your children being home, which. Oh. Right. There are many, there are many seasons of marriage. Yes. Yeah. And you have to, um, you have to figure it out in in each season because things are going to shift and yeah and um yeah i have a few friends who are starting the empty nest process and it's interesting to watch them because you know life is just completely different mm. when their kids are gone and they're having to talk about what does their marriage look like in this season mm. yeah yeah and and that's why when i read it and i was like this god centered mom community <laughs> needs to hear about this book and have this language to start the positive cycles now and not wait and do damage control later or allow the stress of family to disrupt their marriage um, and their children. I mean, there's so much online, five ways to make a lunch and how to celebrate Christmas and all these things that we're spending energy on to think we're giving our kids the best childhood ever. And if we could take all that time we're spending on Pinterest and <laughs> reading all these blog posts and instead putting on how to how to get my marriage right, I think we would be doing our children a better service than the five ways to pack a lunch. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I know, me, it I know really it, helpful. It, it was really helpful for me. It so. really is. Um, it really is counterintuitive in a sense because it feels like there's so many things like really practical things we can do for our kids. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are great. But if the foundation of the family um, is shaky, the kids feel it. I mean, yeah, I, I read some article once that um, looked at the certain hormone in kids and they could tell when they went to school that I don't remember how they did this to kids. Doing research on kids is always tricky to get approved, but it was like they could tell that this hormone was higher in the kids whose parents had fought the night before that morning than in yeah. kids whose parents were um, in a harmonious state. Like it, re- it impacted their whole school day. Um, so I just, I mean, we know it, we all know it. Oh, we should have a good marriage. We should have a good marriage. But I felt like if y'all get this book, it's going to give you language and it's going to give you hope and it's going to kind of paint a picture of something really beautiful that can happen. And to see that the ugly parts are not like there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Like we all have ugly parts. So I just, thank you. Tell Rob, thank you. And thank you for just being vulnerable and real in this, um, you you don't overshare, but you definitely share the challenges and the hard times and the feelings. And that is really helpful. So great. Thank you, Heather. We just really appreciate that you put this book out. And that you Thank you. It. I love hearing you talk about it. <laughs> well, and that you made it not super long so we can so we can get this thing done faster. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not, it's not a perfection. It's a direction. I'm That's such a right. perfect perfect like I want to I want an A plus I want a Zimzum <laughs> A plus oh okay and so let us know when Zimzum of Parenting comes out yes it's a it's a great conversation and maybe it'll be a book someday <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll be a book yeah well I appreciate you being on here and sharing with us and um and I hope that marriages really I mean I know that was your goal but that this really improves marriages and that they can all reflect the love of God and his grace through them. So thank you so That's much. Right. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. All right. All the best to you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Before we sign off for this episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of gals who left reviews on the iTunes uh, podcast. Mom of four boys in Texas. And I promise that's not me leaving a review for my own podcast, but she left a review And I am glad to know that this podcast has helped you not feel alone and has reminded you that your home is your mission field. You are doing a good work. Keep it up. Okay, this next one cracks me up. Um, It's the dude maybe, but I think the dude is a lady. And she just said that um, she finds the podcast helps her when her focus gets off and that she's loving the interviews. Thank you both of you for leaving a review and – If you'd like to leave a review to help others find the podcast, because that is how iTunes works it. The more reviews, the more they pop this podcast up higher in the what's hot, what's new section. So if you want to leave a review, go to godcentermom.com forward slash review, and it gives you all the directions. Thanks so much. And I'll give you a shout out if you leave one. All right. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. 
That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.